Hello, this is Kaiser Hoslick from Hollywood Science, and you're listening to Grab Them by the Pod on the Ace Podcast Network. Again, we are here at Grab Them by the Pod. I'm Kevin, along with Jesse, back after a couple-week hiatus. Jesse, how was your trip? Oh, it was nice, except for Hurricane Jose. Made it rain, made it cold. Uh, we got about an hour at the beach after spending an entire week in Cape Cod. So they do say that a bad day in Cape Cod is better than a good day anywhere else. And I'll stand by that. I got to spend a lot of time with my nephew but it, it's good to be back home i can't believe i'm saying that uh but it's it's good to be back in the rhythm of the week it's good to be back on this show uh, i i always feel bad when we have a week off uh we do have life i think this is going to be probably uh, our last week off for the foreseeable future yeah you know that whole campaign business that we've got going on takes a, a lot of our time so you know, no more trips until after that either, you know, win or lose, then we get to reward ourselves. And there's something I want to talk about, Kevin. Uh, I don't want to campaign for us on this, but I want to just say that we can make a difference. You can make a difference. Our listeners, not you, Kevin, although you also, Kevin, can make a difference. Uh, all it takes is getting involved. You see us doing that um, as we run for a local office. Um, you don't have to run for a local office. You can volunteer. You can get involved in the community. Everybody can make a difference. And I want to make sure people know that, that the the election is still what, five, six weeks away. There's still time uh, if you want to get out in your town and, and make a difference for you to do so. Right. It's our civic responsibility to step up and take part in our communities. Democracy is not a spectator sport. And we're going to talk later on in the show about some of the issues with our democracy of late. But it really takes those of us who are a part of this country to get involved. We can't sit back and wait for others to do it. If we see a need for change, why wait for somebody else to change it when you can fit the bill yourself? Just remember that uh, we're getting to be that age where we are what I would consider the main generation. Uh, our, our parents are getting to be the older generation. So it's up to us to really get things going and run things. We, we're we the people who control the destiny of this country, and we have to make sure uh, that destiny is, is a place we all want to go and live in. It's it's tough these days, uh, depending on uh, what you see on the news, uh, but it's not too late, and I think uh, a lot of great people getting together and making a difference uh, can really right this ship and uh, bring us to a place we want to be. Right. At least that's what we think. <laughs> yeah. Some may disagree. Well, you know, Kev, it never it never fails that we leave for a week. Heck, we leave for a day sometimes, and big news happens. Uh, while we were gone, uh, a new health care. We thought we, we thought it was over. We thought we were moving on, but nope. A new health care reform bill came out. This one uh, was really written and sponsored by the offices of Senators Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, Dean Heller from Nevada, and Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. Uh, I wanted to really discuss the CBO score, but unfortunately we can't do that because we don't know what it is because they're not waiting for the CBO to actually score this bill. Well, my guess is it's probably just about as bad as the previous two. If not worse. I know some places are coming out with some estimates on what it's going to cost. We don't know uh, how many people it's going to hurt. In the past bills, it's been what, $24 million, $18 million. It, 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 when, you, when you're at that many millions of people who are going to lose coverage, uh, if you gain another $2 million, does it really count? You know, you're still leaving uh, more than 10 million people without coverage. Uh, 
Uh, anyways, this version of legislation uh, will basically turn control of the healthcare markets over to the states. So rather than funding Medicaid and, and the subsidies directly, the money will be put into blo- uh, block grants uh, that the states could then use to develop any healthcare system they want. Um, it also allows states to opt out of some of the ACA regulations, which is obviously not good. Uh, and I say obviously because the one thing that we've been fighting, oh, one of the many things, excuse me, that we've been fighting for is to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions um, are okay. They're not going to face higher premiums. Uh, we've talked in the past on what what these pre-existing conditions, like, oh, pregnancy could be a pre-existing condition. Uh, my father has, you know, it's it, you don't think of it on a daily basis as it being something that's important, but it's considered a pre-existing condition. It would be something that would affect him. One of the problems here is that states are going to be able to get a waiver which is really going to help them get around the rule of barring insurers from charging higher premiums to people with pre-existing conditions. Cassidy says, no, no, that's not true. Uh, there's a very specific provision that says that if a state applies for a waiver, it must ensure that those with pre-existing conditions uh, have affordable and adequate coverage. But do we trust that going forward? Do we trust the government? Like, yes, here's an adequate and affordable option. I don't. Yes, because no one in government has ever not tried to find a loophole before. And again, the people who are in government are going to be the ones facing this. It's going to be the people who really need this help, and they're going to be the ones that are screwed. Absolutely. Uh, Medicaid expansion subsidy funding is going to be cut. And I I read today that the overall total of federal funding, I think, is going to be cut something like – 160 billion, that's a billion with a B, a billion dollars over the next 10 years uh, compared to how things are now. Uh, Of course, Republicans are trying to spin this and say that the drop in funding gives strong incentives to the states to be more efficient with their program and they can maintain the ACA structure and regulations as long as they streamline their operations. Unfortunately, if streamlining doesn't work, uh, they're kind of screwed. Well, what's baffling to me is that you know, most people who are receiving Medicare, Medicaid benefits don't even realize that the the cuts that could come out of this program. And according to the New York Times report by Nate Cohn back in March, under the previous bill that was debated back in March, those who stood to lose more than 5,000 in health care subsidies voted for Trump by a 60-40 margin. It's because, and sad to say this, these are probably the people who say, get rid of Obamacare, who cares? I have the ACA. And they don't realize Obamacare and the ACA are the same thing. They just hear Obama is bad and they want to get rid of it because that's what the White House has been touting since day one. Right. And it brings up the idea, the argument that, you know, why are the Republicans in, in the Senate pushing so hard to try to get one last ditch attempt at repealing uh, the Affordable Care Act? And I think it really comes down to the fact that they campaigned so hard on this. Yeah for the last several years that they feel that now they have to come away with something. Otherwise, they are complete failures. And I don't care whether that's good or bad. They just have to get them come away with it. They have to show their voters, see, I said I was going to do it, and I did it. P.S. You're all in big, big trouble now. Exactly. So, so what's different in this bill? Let's let's look at it really quickly. Um, under this new bill, the Cassidy-Graham plan, uh, the mandates will be eliminated at the federal level, so states can choose to keep the measure, replace it, get rid of it completely, whatever they want. And if we all look back at why this is so important, is that the mandates help people with pre-existing conditions get covered because everybody else is 
forced that you could say to have to, uh, to have to have um, coverage at all times. Um, if you didn't do that, people would wait until they get cancer or something like that and then get health insurance and the health insurance companies wouldn't be able to pay. It was kind of a trade-off the insurance companies made um, with the government during the ACA. And again, it's, it's not perfect, but it's working. Um, young people feel that they shouldn't be forced to take it if they're if they're uh, relatively healthy, uh, but they don't realize it's it's all very symbiotic and it's all part of one ecosystem, you could say, and it really needs to be be there for it to survive. The problem I have with things shifting from federal funding to state funding and state-run programs is that the states certainly don't have the same level of funding that the feds do to implement these types of programs that would adequately cover all the people who need health coverage. Yeah, I don't know if I trust individual states to manage the money correctly, whether it's due to incompetence, or like you said, not just having the resources to be able to do it themselves. And if they mismanage that money at the state level, is that state just screwed? The people in that state just in big trouble if the money isn't around to help them when they need it? Exactly. And, you know, to this, I'll lend a personal experience I had when I was but a young lad, a a college student as an intern in the Connecticut General Assembly. And I worked for uh, a legislator who actually put me as kind of the point person on uh, researching uh, some money that had come in from the state in the form of a, a block grant, if you will, to the city that he was representing that the city was misappropriating the funds. The funds were supposed to be put to things like education and they were being spent on some other uh, element of governing. And so again, you know, should we trust that the money is going to be actually spent where it's earmarked for? And you know, it wouldn't be the first time that a municipality or a state, if, you, if uh, we're talking about this, puts the money to the improper use. I almost expect it at this point. Uh, one of the other aspects of this new bill is that the federal health insurance subsidies that help most people with ACA uh, actually afford their coverage uh, is going gonna to change. The bill would shift those subsidies to the state level, as we were just talking about, uh, so people in some states may see their subsidies scale back or eliminated. So again, um, depending on where you live, you could be in big trouble, if, if, and you may not realize it until it's too late. Right. All the people with black lung down in the hills of West Virginia have been mining coal for all those mm-hmm. years and now no longer have that uh, that assistance. And again, again, they they're I understand that some of these places are desperate. Uh, I know people from West Virginia and they didn't like um, aspects of the ACA, but I don't think they realized that voting for Trump was not the answer. Uh, Trump's plan is going to be even worse. They just want change. Uh, it, it's weird talking about that uh, with someone other than Obama, since I, <laughs> I associate change so much with Obama, but they wanted something different. They wanted change, and that's what led to them voting for Trump, and I think they're eventually going to regret it, although the way uh, some of these plans of, of Trump's work out, uh, they wouldn't regret it until like 2020 or till, till he's long gone. Um, so there's a lot going on with this bill. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, opponents to this legislation is actually Jimmy Kimmel. We talked a few months ago, a few episodes ago, um, how Jimmy Kimmel told a personal story about some complications, uh, his son had at birth. And, uh, while the story went on, Senator Cassidy actually, uh, came on the show and, and said, you know, they have to get this right. They have to get this legislation on healthcare correct. And that, uh, anything they pass 
has to pass the Jimmy Kimmel test, which basically means he promises Bill to provide coverage for everybody, uh, no discrimination based on pre-existing conditions, lower premiums from the middle-class families, no lifetime caps. Uh, and following the release of this bill, which to most people, I think, uh, researching this does not meet the Jimmy Kimmel test, uh, Kimmel actually called out Cassidy, called him a liar. Cassidy responded that Kimmel just doesn't understand the bill. Um, what do you think of well, I think it's an easy cop out for a politician to say that, well, he's just a, you know, a talk show host. What does he really understand about this? Well, what he understands about this, Senator Cassidy, is that he is an American with a child with a pre-existing condition who now, you know, would stand to lose under these uh, repeal replace bills for the Affordable Care Act. He sees it as somebody who would be directly affected in losing coverage because of pre-existing conditions. So I would argue that he actually understands more than probably most members of the Senate do. And let's not forget our president is just a talk show host as well uh, at this point. But yeah, if you look at the people with medical backgrounds, the doctors, uh, the people who work in state-level Medicare, uh, Medicaid agencies, they all back Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, the right-leaning publications are saying that Kimmel is being misleading and he's trying to use emotion. Um, I think the left-leaning publications, and and probably uh, from what I've seen, a majority of the center uh, sites uh, pretty much back Kimmel. I mean, Kimmel may not be 100% on everything, but in, in my opinion, he's far closer to the truth of what's really going on with this legislation uh, than Cassidy is. But again, Cassidy is trying to pass a bill with his uh, with his buddies there in the Senate because, again, that's what they ran on. His job depends on getting these things done. And when something, getting something done um, is, is the crucial aspect of you keeping your job, I don't trust it getting done for the right reason. I, I trust it getting done uh, just so you can say you accomplished something. Exactly. Politicians don't get the bad rap of, you know, lying, cheating, and stealing for no reason. <laughs> you know, they have a track record. Uh, there are some nice ones, I will say that. But uh, So will we'll this, we'll this pass? Um, Friday, John McCain came out against it, which, you know, big deal. Uh, that's his uh, his boy, Lindsey Graham. He's against his, his uh, buddy Lindsey Graham's uh, bill. But, uh, you know, John McCain, who I read today, the prognosis for his uh, ca brain cancer is not good. Uh, does not sound uh, like it's good news for him. But uh, John McCain has said, no, Rand Paul has come out against the bill for, for different reasons. Uh, they're trying to buy off Senator Murkowski in Alaska by giving Alaska extra money. I don't know if that'll work. And Suzanne Collins, uh, if we remember correctly, it was McCain, Murkowski, and Collins who voted against the skinny repeal a month or two ago. Um, Susan Collins is criticized, wants a CBO score. Uh, she came out against the bill later today. Uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this bill is not in a good spot and that it won't pass. Uh, but knowing how this stuff works, I will not feel comfortable until they either pull it or it gets voted down. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I was just about to, you know, I wasn't sure that you knew of this, yes, but, uh, <laughs> you know, cite a Politico article that came out this evening uh, that cited Susan Collins as being a solid no vote now, which would bring the total number of no's to three, along with Rand Paul and John McCain, which would most likely doom the bill. Yeah, again, Murkowski is, is a maybe, I would say, probably leading no. Um, I, I just... They have to learn their lesson. This is not the way to go. We've said this time and time again. I feel like we repeat ourselves in this podcast. It's that we have to work together to you know, revise what's already there, fix what doesn't work, keep what does. Who cares? 
you know, call it Trump care for all we care. I, I don't care what you call it as long as it does the, the most uh, does the most to help the most people. I'm pretty convinced that if we kept the exact same bill, just put Trump's name on it, it <laughs> with the Affordable Care Act as it stands. Uh, and, you know, a good portion of the people wouldn't even realize and they'd be all for it. Yeah. I mean, read the read the legislation. It's not exactly um, beach reading, but it's important to actually see what's in these bills and not just take the word of uh, politicians because they're going to say what they're going to say. Speaking of a place that wants you to take the word of their politicians as law, oh, hey, how about North Korea? God, it just never ends. Oh, I, I don't even know what to say about this anymore. Uh, it, it's a good thing that uh, the weather was so bad on my vacation because I spent a lot of time inside watching news, uh, watching the fallout of Donald Trump's speech to the United Nations. Trump felt the need to give Kim Jong-un one of his little stupid nicknames. Uh, this time it's Rocket Man, uh, the... The language uh, Trump used was, the United States has great strength and patience, but if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself and for his regime. The United States is ready, willing, and able, but hopefully this won't be necessary. So I understand that Kim Jong-un is nuts. I understand he says a lot of inflammatory things, that he has nukes. But is it worth we've said before, is it worth poking the bear? And by the way, there are lots of innocent people who live in North Korea. So if you're gonna totally destroy North Korea, you're basically gonna be murdering millions of people who have nothing to do with any of this. More importantly, the president used the word rocket man in a speech at the United Nations. You know, a a body that the United States is one of the like foremost authorities of. Rocket man. He, he used insult and name-calling like a child on the playground at the United Nations. We deserve so much better than this. Well, if you actually watch the speech, and I assume we all did who are listening because you're all wonderful, wonderful political advocates. Uh, there were a lot of people on their phones during the speech. I don't know if they weren't paying attention to him or what they were doing, but I, I have to believe that a majority of the people who were watching that – we're turned off. I love when they go to the ambassador from North Korea or when he's bashing like Iran. It goes to the ambassador of Iran. They just sit there stoic. I I mean, I don't, I don't even know what they think. They, it's like I, I go to my home. I have an insane leader. I come to America. I have an insane leader. You just can't escape it. I feel bad for these guys. Yeah, I I feel often that we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And unfortunately, sadly, I don't I don't know what's going to come of it. By the way, I can't tell if this is true or not because, again, I was a little out of the loop on vacation. I, but I, I think in, in just keeping the names of of Elton John songs around, I think that Kim Jong-un may have called Trump a hockey cat or something. Which another, although I, I'm, I'm, if that is parody, please let me know. Uh, I just remember seeing it very briefly when I was uh, scouring things. But what this did lead to was back and forth insults between the – two idiot leaders. Um, Kim Jong-un uh, basically said that Trump's speech was unprecedented, rude nonsense, uh, said that a, a frightened dog barks louder, uh, which, you know, I, I, that's actually uh, something I would agree with generally. Um, but then he said, uh, whatever Trump may have expected, he will face results beyond his expectation. I will surely and definitely tame this mentally deranged U.S. dotard with fire. Um, following that Coming out, uh, Miriam Webster tweeted that searches for Dottard are as high as a kite, 
And uh, anybody who may be wondering and hasn't looked it up already, a dotard is an old person, especially one who has become weak or senile. Uh, so for all of his faults, good use of uh, the word dotard, Kim Jong-un. Fairly accurate. Yeah. Might be the one and only time we agree. <laughs> good, good for you. But hey, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Uh, so, of course, then Trump feels the need to blame the Clintons because he's obsessed with both Hillary and Bill uh, for a nuclear Korea. And Trump said to Kim Jong-un, who is obviously a madman who doesn't mind killing or starving his people, will be tested time like, like never before. Um it's, it's difficult here because obviously Kim Jong-un is a nutcase. He's insane, or, or at least he acts like he's insane. Uh, and I agree with the general sentiment of what Trump says. I just don't think he should be saying it out loud. Yeah. You know, again, as we've said time and again, that we need cooler heads to prevail. So continuing to, continuing to stoke the flames here is not a good idea because there's no – or at least seemingly, there, there's no reliable person to fall back on that's going to keep their cool. You really just want to say, Trump, before you send this tweet out, before you give this speech, have two scoops of ice cream, go to bed, sleep on it, and see if it's still a good idea in the morning. Uh, or that's at least what I would tell normal people for uh, for the Don, um, for the Donald T. I think he would just do it. So anyways, uh, today... North Korea's foreign minister uh, said Trump had declared war on North Korea and that they reserved the right to take countermeasures, including shooting down U.S. bombers, even if they were not in its airspace. Uh, again, this is a lot of blustery talk, but are they going to actually do something? I mean, at what point um, is talk going to be cheap and they're just going to do something very stupid? Well, you know, that remains to be seen. But, you know, in my view, I see this as potentially – you know, a another threat, but also China has said that it will not support North Korea if it strikes first. So if North Korea goes on the record as making the claim that the United States has declared war already, that kind of gives them the opening to be able to attack and say, look, we didn't declare war first. The United States did and still maintain China's support. Although Sarah Huckabee Sanders did did today at a press briefing say that, no, we no, we have not declared war on North Korea. So I don't, I, you have to think, I know China has strategic interests in North Korea and that's what part of the problem is, but they're also not stupid. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know how this is going to end. In my notes, I actually wrote, I don't know where we go next. Is this just going to happen over and over and over until Kim Jong-un gets, gets tired and he goes, you know, that's what happened with his dad. He says a bunch of things and then he goes away for a little bit. Then he comes back and starts blabbing on again. I just don't know what happens next. Or are we just going to be talking about this, you know, to infinity and beyond? Yes, you know, but the only hope that it's not leading directly to a nuclear war. <laughs> yes, let's hope, let's hope not. Um, on to happier news, uh, depending on who you are. Uh, last Sunday, Stephen Colbert uh, hosted the Emmys. And at one point, Colbert asked the audience if someone could predict how large this year's Emmys audience would be. And that was uh, a cue for Sean Spicer to emerge from backstage. He wheeled out a podium and said, this will be the largest audience to witness the Emmys, period. 
both in person and around the world. Now, this caused a lot of online sites to freak out and say how it ruined the show and wasn't funny. Um, personally, this is not the show's position. This is Jesse, uh, the co-host's position, that I disagree. I think it was hilarious. Um, I dislike Trump as much as the next guy. Uh, everybody who listens to this knows that. Um, but to me, this was a perfect setup. Um, Spicer is obviously on something of an apology tour right now, and I'm willing to move past it, uh, maybe because I usually give – Press secretaries a little more leeway because they're just parroting what their boss says as opposed to secretaries um, or other people in the administration who who really come up with their own policies. But uh, I, I know I'm not the only person with an opinion on this, and m- many of them disagree with me. Kevin, where do you stand on this? Well, Jesse, you always did have a soft spot for spicy. I do so love I, spicy. I'm I sorry. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, I understand why people are upset, right? And and I, too, can can see – how should we be making light of the fact that the American people were lied to, uh, the fact that the president continues to uh, fail us in so many ways and to make light of it, you know, that's going to be frustrating to some. But personally, I feel that any of that anger is actually misdirected and should be turned towards the president himself, mm-hmm. or at the very least, some of his top advisors that are pushing him towards these terrible policy decisions. Yeah, you look back to someone like George W. Bush, where a lot of this country really disliked George W. Bush circa 2008, 2010, whenever. And, and even before the whole Trump stuff went down, uh, you know, people moved on. You'd see Bush pop up at, like, in a ceremony here and there. And, you know, eventually it's like, oh, yeah, it's George W. Bush, good old boy George W. Bush. Like, people just don't have the anger anymore that they used to have with Bush. And I, I always say that. Maybe not in the case of Donald Trump, but oftentimes time heals all wounds. You get over it. You move on to the next crisis. And I think you're certainly correct that we should choose the fights worth fighting. Uh, the fight is with the Donald Trump administration and White House. It's not with Sean Spicer. He's going off to do whatever he's going to do, you know, with his life now. And you know, good good luck, Spicy. Uh, but I just I don't. I can see people being against it. I think people just got really worked up because, heck, you know, this is this is America in 2017. People like to get worked up over something. I, I love to get worked up over something. Hey, and guess what? We've got something to get worked up about. Do, 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 do. That's my little ESPN intro to uh, Donald Trump versus the NFL. So, by the way, Trump has been uh, vocal of Colin Kaepernick for quite some time now. Uh, he does not have good things to say about him. Um, I'm pretty vocal of Colin Kaepernick, too, but that's more because I'm a 49er fan. I had to watch his last couple seasons with the 49ers, which were not pretty. Uh, but this weekend, Donald Trump really ramped up his criticism, had a bunch of tweets. He said – and this is, I think, uh, probably the most inflammatory thing uh, he said this weekend, and there were lots of inflammatory things he said this weekend. Uh, he said, wouldn't you love to see one of the NFL owners, when someone disrespects your flag, to say, get that son of a bitch out, off the field right now. He's fired. Um, Colin Kaepernick's mother. Uh, then I tweeted him, like, you know, she's a proud bitch then. Because it was really directed at Colin uh, today at the uh, press press uh, briefing, uh, someone asked 
if the president regretted referring to players who take knees during national anthems as sons of bitches. And uh, excuse my language, by the way. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said uh, that she thinks that it's always appropriate for the president of the United States to defend their flag, uh, to defend the national anthem, and to defend the men and women who fought and died against it, uh, to defend it, excuse me. Um, of course, she ignores the fact that those people fought and died to give people the freedoms to make the decisions like whether they want to kneel towards it. Well, you know, it was said then that the issue of kneeling has nothing to do with race, that it's about respect for our country, flag, and national anthem. The NFL must respect this, the president's words. No, absolutely false. This has everything to do with race. Because a month and a half ago, the president refused to call out white supremacists and neo-Nazis who were using their constitutional right to protest in Charlottesville, Virginia. And not only did he not call them out, he said that there were good people amongst their ranks. Now, members of the NFL who choose to use their uh, constitutionally protected right to peacefully protest, nothing more than taking a knee or refusing to come out onto the field during the national anthem, and those people are sons of bitches? Could you imagine the positive responses he would have gotten after Charlottesville? He's like, get those sons of bitches white white protesters out of there. They're fired or something. They'd be like, yeah, you know, that, that's where his his fiery language would have been like, welcome. But no, like you said, no, 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 make excuses for Charlottesville. Uh, but uh, in this case, no, no, they're all they're all horrible people. It's just it's ridiculous. And he lives. In like in La La Land, um, he, he thinks that there was tremendous backlash uh, against the NFL and its players for the disrespect uh, to our country. I didn't see that. You sure there's some people who disagreed, but it wasn't a huge backlash. I mean, pretty much everybody in sports, from Roger Goodell to your boy Tom Brady, you know, we we know how to make America great hat again. They they came together. I've never seen him wear it though. It just sits in his locker. <laughs> yes, but just just think about this: Tom Brady and Roger Goodell. Are on the same side of something. If that doesn't speak volumes to Trump's policy, I don't know what is. I mean, those those two guys, they're like oil and water. They just don't mix. As a proud Patriots fan, I'm willing to say, <laughs> deflate the hate. Yeah, deflate the hate. Um, of course, you know, this wasn't expressly on race, but we all know that NASCAR, I would consider, not, not more of a white. Sport is that is that okay to say? Yes, or, it's a white sport. Been yeah. very few minority drivers yeah. in the history of yes. NASCAR. Yeah, and I'm sure there are many minorities in in parts of this country that like watching. But when I think of NASCAR, I think of it mostly being a white sport. Uh, he came out and said, "You know, I'm so proud of NASCAR and its supporters and fans. They won't put up with disrespecting our country and our flag." They said it loud and clear. Oh, it, again, <laughs> completely false. Because until recently, the Confederate flag was more visible at NASCAR yeah. races than the American one. So. Where's the disrespect? It, Come it's, on. The, it's their heritage. Are you trying to get rid of history, Kevin? Come on. Oh, boy. It's, uh, that's their argument every time. And by the way, he just you – know, why stop an NFL? Uh, we're going to go after the NBA too. He uh, disinvited Steph Curry from going to the White House after Steph Curry already announced he wasn't going to go, which then got people like LeBron James and everybody else under the sun to come to his defense and go against the trip. So if you're a sports figure this weekend in in one of the major U.S. sports, I would say you probably um, had a bone to pick with Donald Trump this, this weekend. Well, this just in, okay? Um, during tonight's Monday night football game between the Dallas Cowboys and Arizona Cardinals, the entire Dallas Cowboy team took a knee, including including owner Jerry Jones, who previously 
had been linked to supportive of Donald Trump. And there had been some things out on the Internet that he said he would fire anybody, he would cut anybody that took a knee. He himself took a knee before tonight's game. And I'm a guy who grew up as a 49er fan hating the Cowboys of the 90s. I got to say, Jerry looked good today. He looked, looked, looked pretty snazzy out there. Uh, and what you're seeing in a lot of the games over the past weekend was not necessarily – I mean, the, the people who took knees or, or even people who stood but, but linked arms, it really came off to me as in defiance of Donald Trump and, and what he says. Um, Nike – and Ford came out today supporting the athletes who want to do these things. I've said it time and again. You can disagree with them doing that. That's what's great about this country. You can agree with it. You can disagree with it. But you should still support their right to do it even though you disagree with it. Um, I personally don't care whether you want to kneel, whether you want to stand, like whatever. It doesn't, doesn't make any difference to me. There have been times I haven't stood because, I don't know, I'm trying to wave down the beer guy at a sporting event. You know, like whatever. These things happen. But that's a personal decision. And whether you stand or whether you don't doesn't affect my life at all. No, not at all. And this weekend's events – at these NFL games had less to do with the flag and more to do with the rhetoric of the president, the actions of the president over the last nine months. Uh, the issue of kneeling for the anthem that Colin Kaepernick started last season had essentially died down. And Donald Trump chose to make it an issue again by tweeting about him, by blabbering away about it. So this this was more acts of solidarity against the president's actions, more so than actually trying to you know disrespect the flag in any way. And while well, this is going on, I don't know, American citizens in places like Puerto Rico uh, are devastated, and Trump wasn't tweeting about them. He actually tweeted about them this afternoon, but it was kind of like he read the book where you neg women to get them to like you. You know, he was kind of putting them down. He said, Texas and Florida are doing great, but Puerto Rico, which is already suffering from broken infrastructure and massive debt, is in deep trouble. Well, thanks, buddy. Do something. It's an old electrical grid, which was in terrible shape and was devastated. Much of the island was destroyed with billions of dollars owed to Wall Street and the banks, which sadly must be dealt with. Dude, how about you just help them out instead of doing that? Um, maybe you stop your your secretaries like Steve Mnuchin and Tom Price from spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on private jets to go places and take that money and maybe send it towards places like Puerto Rico, uh, like Houston, like Miami. That would make all kinds of sense. And perhaps that's why it's not being done. But, you know, he can't resist to try to make some sort of political point instead of just doing what's right. No. He's also, by the way, tweeting about John McCain again. I just, just coming out right now, so I felt the need to throw it in there. Um, saying, here's uh, cl many clips of John McCain talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare. Oh, my, oh, my, how he's changed. Complete turn from years of talk. <sighs> Something tells me McCain isn't against repealing and replacing Obamacare. He's against the crappy plans they've rolled out. I know that's kind of going back to the last topic, but wanted to throw it out there for you. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> same story, different day. Mm -hmm. Why are we ever surprised? Uh, but the first son-in-law um, might be in some trouble. Uh, Representative Lock him up. Lock him up. <laughs> I, I think we got to start chanting that. Uh, Representative Elijah Cummings, who's a Democrat from Maryland, um, 
he announced that uh, he's investigating Jared Kushner over his use of a private email account to communicate with Trump officials. Uh, Cummings, by the way, is the top Democrat on the Oversight and Government Reform Committee uh, in the House. So here's what happened. Kushner used his private account alongside his official White House email account, and he'd sometimes send emails to senior White House officials, outside advisors, other people about media coverage, all these different things. Uh, his his lawyers coming out and saying, you know, sure, he, he did this, but he did it less than 100 times, receiving and sending emails. Uh, it, it, no big deal. And, you know, and there's no indication that he shared any sensitive uh, or classified material with his private account, but it just it's bad optics. Like you said, we should be cheating lock lock him up like they did over uh, Hillary for how, however long. Um, and by the way, putting this together with Kushner being investigated for his his dealings during the uh, Russian investigation, I mean, these two together, it just it does not look good for Kushner. It does not look good for the White House. Uh, it's just adding insult to injury in a lot of areas. Well, and this is the exact reason why events of this weekend happen, right? It took us this long to mention Russia investigation in the show tonight. <laughs> yeah. There's your reason for the whole uh, anthem and flag scandal, right? Trump had to bring something else up to divert our attention away from what really matters. And the fact is that the Russia collusion investigation is still ongoing and, and strides are being made there. And now Jared Kushner has been found to have used a private email server. The guy really is crazy like a fox. And we, we do fall for it every time. But when again, when the president says things that are so ridiculous, how can you not? Um, you know, Mueller is still doing his... His uh, investigation, it's, it's going to come out when it comes out. Uh, so, we, you know, we'll just bide our time. And when there are things to talk about uh, and, and the dice or the, the dominoes, be, the, the dominoes begin to fall. What begins to fall? Yeah, <laughs> dominoes begin. fall, right? I, I forgot the analogy. Excuse me. But uh, when when things start falling and going down, uh, we'll be here to report on it. Uh, we'll see if anything happens on this Kushner thing. Uh, Cummings is requesting that Kushner uh, maintain all of his official records and copies of records in his custody. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, he's also asked Kushner to hand over all email addresses for any private accounts he used while he was uh, conducting White House business, uh, who he sent and received emails from. Uh, I don't know if this would be more closed uh, door uh, testifying, but uh, again, if, if anything more comes to this, we'll be the ones to talk about it. You know we will. On to the next category. It's, it's a very petty uh, discussion, if you ask me, but that's that's an inside joke. Uh, Anthony Weiner. Anthony's Weiner. Oh, Anthony Carlos Danger. Oh boy, this guy. This guy. He wanted to be mayor of New York City, and look at this. Uh, he, he got. He was sentenced today uh, to 21 months in jail for sexting with a minor, who, by the way, was 15. Although he says that she contacted him, so it's not so bad. Prosecutors wanted 27 months. Um, Wiener's folks didn't think he should have gotten anything. Uh, I think he's lucky to only get 21 months in jail. By the way, let's not forget that uh, Wiener's perversions, if we put it that way. And you know, I'm a pretty open guy, and you know, I do what you want. But when it comes to uh, setting pictures of your Johnson to 15-year-olds, you know, that's probably where I draw my line. Um, his perversions and nonsense likely cost Hillary Clinton the election because his stupid emails caused Comey to look at more emails and, you know, had him put out the statement a week before the election, even though it became nothing. It was just one more scandal put in the newspaper for Hillary Clinton. So this turd is lucky to be through an election, basically. He's only getting 21 months. Yeah, I'll say, um, you know, good luck in, in prison, Anthony, and uh, you know, hopefully you can make some changes to your life and be <laughs> a productive uh, member of society when you come out the other end. 
take away his smartphone, stay off Twitter, go beg Huma for the millionth time to come take you back. You know, just I, I, it's a lost cause. For a minute there, I thought you were talking about the president again. Take away the smartphone. Uh... I, you know, it's people on both sides who have the issue. And look at this. People who complain. I, I just made fun and bashed the Democrat. Uh, and I, I made I have made fun of Anthony Weiner for years. I mean, first of all, you got to have a pretty thick skin going through your life with the last name Weiner. I mean, I know a lot of guys who have the name like that, but it's pronounced Weiner. Uh, you know, hey, look, it's little Anthony Weiner. I think it would be tough on the playground, no? Listen, hey, and then on top of that, to have the, uh, you know, the... <laughs> The ability to put that all over signs and run for public office and, and plaster that name all over the city and hey, more power to him. But you gotta own it, right? You know, you I know, guess you so. But uh, keep it in your pants, my friend, and certainly leave the little girls alone. And I apologize to anybody who may be listening with the last name Weiner. I didn't mean to offend, and I'll throw that out to people with the last name Johnson as well. I apologize. So, um, one of the last things I want to talk about today, uh, at least, is uh, tomorrow's Alabama Senate election. This is the special Senate election to fill our good old friend Jeffrey Beauregard. Is it Jefferson or Jeffrey? I always forget. Jefferson? Beauregard. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, uh, his Senate seat. Uh, Currently, it's appointed uh, Senator Luther Strange. He was appointed uh, when Sessions was promoted to, uh, I guess, I don't know if he was promoted, but was given the job of Attorney General. Um, He's going against former state Supreme Court Chief Justice Roy Moore. Uh, there's there's no good option here. I mean, Trump has repeatedly tweeted his support for Strange. I mean, Strange is a McConnell guy, and Trump and McConnell are kind of putting their crap aside uh, to push for Luther Strange. Uh, Moore is something of a of a zealot. He stands against pretty much everything uh, that I've before, and he's backed by uh, you know the good old Steve Bannon. Um, I mean, my suggestion, if you live in Alabama, I don't even know if you can do this. I don't know. Write in a candidate. There's got to be somebody better than, than these two chuckleheads. Well, you know, unfortunately, we speak to this as uh, northern liberals or progressives or even We're in our moderates. bubble. We're um, you know, we'll the, the state of Alabama is uh, certainly much more conservative than Connecticut where we live. So to them, this might just seem more run-of-the-mill. But certainly in our point of view – there is no real good option here. I was talking to a guy at the gym today, and he actually was thinking that, uh, yeah, sure, uh, Moore is kind of nuts, but he might be kind of like a, a Rand Paul, you know, get in there and, and clog up the works for them because you know he's a he's a you know, pure big-time conservative type thing, and, and if they try to uh, go to the middle at all or work with the Democrats, he might freak out, so that might be – beneficial to people like us i don't I don't know if i buy that or not but it, it certainly is an, an option well Rand paul's helping uh keep the affordable care act in place by not supporting the repeal yeah, bill. until he until he casts a vote against it i'm not gonna I'm not gonna trust Rand Paul. Yeah, that's true uh you know he's a he's a big time libertarian until you know suits his needs not to be one <sighs> so what do you got for us for kevin's corner well jesse One of the hallmarks of the American experiment we know as democracy is the Bill of Rights. These 10 amendments, specifically the first, protect our right to question our government. This sets us apart from some of the countries in the world that we detest, such as North Korea. The First Amendment, however, is not just a self-serving right. It applies to all citizens, even those who might disagree with us. The First Amendment allows for a Klan rally and a peaceful protest of the national anthem in equal parts, regardless of whether or not we find them reprehensible. 
What is for us to determine is the value and meaning of one's use of free speech. We should, as a society, focus on the issues that lead to these protests instead of becoming consumed by the semantics. Those are words to live by, in my opinion, Kevin. Well, uh, I want to say this has been fun. It's always good to be back with you here, but God, there's so much depressing news stories out there. I, it's, it's, it's tough to get through, but that's what they pay us a big bucks for. We are here to bring the news and the facts and, yeah, sure, our opinions to you, our wonderful listeners. So thank you all for listening. And Kevin, thank you, as always, for being here to do this wonderful podcast with me. You're welcome. Right back at you, Jess. All right, we will see you guys next week. Later. Later.